This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only... The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Decisive Battles of World History. For this limited time 80% offer, please go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us, an adjunct fellow at the Manhattan Institute, writer for the Weekly Standard, all-around good guy, Adam White, uh, a practicing attorney in Washington, D.C. Adam, how are you doing? With that introduction, I'm doing quite well. (laughs) So if I understand it, the greatest constitutional crisis facing Congress in history is inviting Benjamin Netanyahu to address the gathered throng. Do I have that right? Well, evidently so. Uh, Speaker Boehner has invited uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu on behalf of Congress to come and address Congress on uh, the current state of the world. And uh, it's sparked an outcry, not just that the uh, the invitation is bad policy, but that it's unconstitutional. Uh, well, I understand that the loophole they have is that they're going to declare him an illegal immigrant and therefore welcome to come under President Obama's executive amnesty. Is that the loophole they used? I think that might be. So here's what I'm trying to figure out. I, I would assume as just a dopey citizen, hey, it's Congress's house. You know what I mean? They can invite anyone to come in the House, and they've had foreign leaders before. Uh, is there something specific about the executive's role when it comes to foreign dignitaries uh, coming up to uh, Capitol Hill? Well, I think that's you've basically put your finger on it. The, the criticisms that are being levied at Speaker Boehner, they're not completely baseless. Uh, they come from the president's role in foreign policy. The Constitution vests the president with, uh, with the uh, exclusive power to receive ambassadors. Uh, and over the two centuries, that's been spun out uh, to, as, as often is characterized, uh, given the president, uh, exclusive power to conduct foreign relations. And so there's a complaint that what Congress is trying to do here is usurp the president's uh, constitutional authority. But I think those, I think those complaints are overblown. Uh, but, I mean, the fact is, at the moment, there is a significant uh, political battle going on about what American foreign policy policy should be, particularly in the region, and particularly when, as it comes to Iran. And uh, uh, Congress aligns more closely with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's view of how those negotiations should go, opposed to the president. Isn't this John Boehner inviting a foreign leader specifically to influence foreign policy? Well, I think that's basically right. Uh, When the president speaks on behalf of the nation, he is very much conducting foreign relations. But the Senate and the House have a voice, a strong voice, in formulating foreign policy, whether in ratifying treaties, uh, in uh, in ratifying ambassador or ambassadorial appointments, in uh, in the House and and Senate funding our foreign policy through appropriations, uh, and and so on. Congress has a very strong role in formulating foreign policy. And that's the point I made in my blog post for The Standard, was that Congress, in going about the work of formulating that policy, is well within its rights to inform itself of that policy, not just through the opinions uh, they receive from the administration and through other Americans, but uh, voices they hear overseas. And in fact, uh, Congress and the Supreme Court uh, and the executive branch have all long conducted uh, informal communications 
uh, with foreign officials, foreign leaders, and foreign voices. And I think that this is not particularly exceptional, except that you have here Congress inviting uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, without the president's uh, affirmative consent up front. But I think that fact itself speaks less to what's happening between Congress uh, and the president. It speaks more to the uh, the fight we're having right now over uh, or the fight that's happening right now between President Obama and Prime Minister Netanyahu. But the fight I want to see, Adam, is the fight between Congress and the White House where Congress reasserts its authority when, for example, it passes a law and it has the authority for the president to be expected to follow that law, which we've seen ignored again and again and again by this president. And I, I hate the game of my hypocrisy is bigger than your hypocrisy uh, the, because the president's hypocrisy in this case is abundantly clear that he doesn't like the idea of Congress overreaching even as he overreaches in area after area. But are we going to see the two branches ever do what the the, the founders proposed for them to do and expected them to do, which is to each, uh, you know, uh, uh, strongly defend their own territory in the uh, 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 separation of powers? Well, I think that's what we're seeing right now. Like you said, the founders expected the Congress and the president and the courts to check and balance one another. And Speaker Boehner and the Congress are asserting themselves right now as a very strong check and balance against the president's power. It's a little bit rich for, on the hypocrisy point, it's a little bit rich for the administration and its supporters to stand up and shout that what Congress is doing now in asserting its power is unprecedented after we've witnessed the last six years of unprecedented uh, extension of presidential power in spite of Congress's own constitutional authorities. Uh, The president unilaterally conducting foreign affairs, not just pursuant to treaties and authorizations, but often in spite of them uh, and in spite of Congress. So it is a little bit rich for for the president and others to basically uh, get their hair set on fire over the fact that that a foreign leader is going to come and give a speech in Congress. What I would do is I would invite the president to come over at the same time and ask for authorization uh, or, excuse me, Senate approval of his treaty with Iran. Which, oh wait, he's already announced that he may not do that, that he may find a way to circumvent the uh, accepted normal and constitutional role of the Senate to advise and consent. I think you've put the point uh, precisely correct. Well, good. Then I'll leave it right. I'll leave it right there. I don't usually get stuff that right. Let me ask you about the perception for voters, for the the citizens themselves. They look at the mess in Washington. It looks like, oh my gosh, you can't even invite some guy to come talk without there being a fight. Is there? Do you see, uh, in addition to the constitutional questions? The, a political aspect to this. In other words, how do you think it will shake out here in the U.S.? I won't ask you to speculate on Israel unless, of course, you'd like to. Well, I uh, I always hesitate to, to to prognosticate very much on political, uh, political events. Uh, I'm just the lawyer, not the political expert. I do see a lot of people criticizing uh, Speaker Boehner and Prime Minister Netanyahu and suggest that they've made a mistake in doing this. Of course, most of those criticisms come from Netanyahu's and Boehner's opponents, which leads me to take them with a grain of salt. I think while we can fight over what's Congress's prerogatives and what's the president's prerogatives, at the end of the day, foreign policy will be determined by, in the long run by the American people. I think the American people are, by and large, very sympathetic to, uh, to Israel and Israel's plight, and rightfully so. I suspect that the reason why uh, Netanyahu's visit to Congress is sparking such alarm among the president and his supporters is precisely because they fear the political ramifications of that speech and Congress's uh, response to that speech. 
Uh, and so I, I expect the, uh, the American public to, uh, to accept uh, and, and to accept Netanyahu's arrival and speech uh, very eagerly. I think that the president's position on Iran is so difficult to defend that he's going to have a very hard time once the Netanyahu visit has, fo- has focused attention on it. And I think that's what they're afraid of, is that they're afraid that people are going to kind of see through the clouds and the fog about, oh, no, we're tougher than anyone. No, no. And they're going to realize, oh, my gosh, this White House is anxious to do a deal under any circumstances, and they're already continuing to allow Iran to expand and expand and expand its uh, nuclear capability. And that's what the problem is going to be, is the, the fight over the balance of power, the separation of powers, that's a short conversation that, you know, let's face it, eggheads like you, Adam, will have. The rest of the United States will be going, holy crap, I can't believe this is our policy with Iran. We've got to get Israel's back. Right. I think Bill Crystal's blog post this morning, uh, Obama's Israel problem, gets it exactly right. Uh, the American people will see Prime Minister Netanyahu giving a speech. They know that the Obama administration has been picking fights uh, often petty fights and rhetorical fights with Prime Minister Netanyahu for a long time, and it leaves the American people to wonder why is it exactly that the administration bends over backwards to accommodate the Iranians despite all they've done, not just to Israel and to the broader region, but to Americans and American soldiers. Uh, meanwhile, Prime Minister Net- Netanyahu is treated with utmost disrespect by the same administration. Well, now that you sucked up to the boss, Adam, we can wrap up this podcast. Perfect timing. Uh, Adam White, uh, adjunct fellow at the Manhattan Institute, frequent contributor to the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Good to be here. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.